Dear Friends in Christ, The other night there was a program on TV in which families from around the country were interviewed because of their unique preparations for Christmas. All these families were decorating their houses not with hundreds of lights, but tens of thousands of lights strung out in very creative ways. The families, they said, worked together for weeks and weeks putting up these lighting displays, and they said it was just fun. But they also were in competition with other families from around the country for winning a grand lighting prize. Whatever their motivation, this was their way of preparing for Christmas. Mary and Joseph had a lot to prepare for their first Christmas morning. They had to plan and pack for their big trip to Bethlehem. This was about a, a 65-mile walk by foot. It's probably about the same distance from Clear Lake to Story City. And of course, they didn't have an interstate like we do. They had to walk, and so it took a while. Uh, and especially when she was nine months pregnant. But long, long before they set off on this trip, there was another kind of preparation that had been done. And in fact, it was because of that special preparation they'd undergone beforehand that God ultimately chose them, Mary and Joseph, to be the parents of the Christ child. So how did they prepare? Well, maybe a better question would be, what did God do to prepare for Christmas? Matthew 1.19 in our Gospel text today says, Joseph, her husband, Mary's husband, was a righteous man, it says. Both Joseph and, and Mary were prepared to be used by God, you see, because they were righteous people. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be righteous? 1 John 3.7 says, He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. People become righteous, you see, first of all, when they make an effort to do what is right, to make the right decisions. People uh, look at their decisions with the thought in mind, is this please God. Is this right or is it wrong? Righteous people make righteous decisions because those decisions are the right things to do, even when those decisions in some way may hurt them. They still do the right thing. A righteous man or a righteous woman, they're not driven by just personal pleasure and what's good for me or what makes me feel good. They are driven by a desire to please God. That's the first thing we think about when we think of that word righteous. It also, this word righteous, has something to do with how we treat other people in our daily lives. And this concept of righteousness is illustrated in how Joseph treated Mary in our text for today. In verses 18 and 19, it's, it tells us that this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged 
uh, to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Well, let's kind of put that into context, that little story there. At this point, Mary and Joseph, of course, were engaged to be married. They weren't living together, but now she's pregnant. And Joseph knows he's not the dad. He doesn't yet realize that the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit as we confessed again this morning in the Apostles' Creed. As far as he was concerned, Mary had betrayed him. She, was, she had publicly humiliated him. In that small village, everybody knew everything about everybody. She had insulted him in becoming pregnant in front of all his friends and neighbors. The angel, you see, had not yet come in a dream to tell Joseph the whole situation. Now, he had every right, according to Jewish law, to make things very tough for Mary. But Joseph was a righteous man, it says. He's not the type of man that would strike out in anger. He's not the type of man that would seek revenge. He was unwilling to hurt Mary or even to shame her publicly. So he seeks to deal with this whole matter in a very private and quiet way. Jewish law, as we are told in our text, allowed Joseph to give her a bill of divorce without a public trial. He had to give her the, the paper and then pay the fine. So he proposed to do this privately with only two or three other witnesses to avoid all the scandal possible, both for himself and for her. Joseph's intention was to deal with Mary's sin against him, but not to hurt her more than necessary. He showed, you see, his righteousness and how he treated this woman he felt had humiliated him. So biblical righteousness, in part, is defined on how we treat our neighbor. In a sense, Joseph and Mary were heroes in the eyes of God. They sought to please him by doing the right kind of things in their lives. And so God rewarded them. He chose them, the, giving them the honor of being the earthly parents of the Messiah. And he chose them a long time before the angel first appeared to Mary. He, he foreknew the type of people that they would become as they grew up and became adults. He chose them because they had prepared themselves for that first Christmas day by being open to whatever God wanted them to do. You know, most of us prepare for Christmas by putting lights and other decorations on our Christmas trees, or we put lights on our trees outside or on our houses. But the Bible tells us that we can prepare for Christmas by putting up a different kind of light. Jesus said, Let your light shine before men, 
that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now that's how Mary and Joseph made their lives pleasing in the eyes of God. That righteousness that they pursued in their lives was a thing of, of beauty to God. He saw their hearts, and they prepared for that first Christmas by living lives that pleased him. They pleased him by how they determined to treat each other and other people as well. Even like Joseph, when he felt very hurt, he still was able to treat Mary with respect. And they pleased them also by striving to keep their lives pure and holy. You know, God can use us as well, I believe, when we seek to please him with our words and actions and our decisions. If we're open to what he calls us to do, he has some mighty and wonderful tasks for us as well, just like he did for Joseph and Mary. Philippians 2.15 tells us Christians that we are to become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We are called to shine as a light and not get swallowed up by the darkness of this world. But of course there's a problem. We all mess up. The Bible tells us that we all sin. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have at one time or another mistreated our neighbor. All of us have slipped in our integrity some time in the past. Ecclesiastes 7 says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. And that's true. But now, if I can't be entirely righteous all the time, how can I possibly please God? How can I possibly shine like a light in the world and bring glory to God and be thankful for his love if I'm continuing to sin? Well, that's why Jesus came into our world, for that very reason. Some of you heard the little reading that's called Our Greatest Need, and it goes like this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. Or nowadays, we could probably say the advanced computer software. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was to be brought back to God, to experience forgiveness. And for that, we needed a Redeemer. And that's who Jesus was and is. You know, even as righteous and pure as Joseph and Mary were, they could not stand before God as perfect people. They were far from that, as we all are. So when Jesus came, First Peter says, 
Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And then in Romans, Paul says, through the obedience of one man, that is Jesus, the many were made righteous. It's all about Jesus, you see. It is only through Jesus that we can ever attain righteousness in the eyes of God because only Jesus can take our sins and deal with them and wash them away and allow us then to be made right with God. And he did that, of course, on the cross when he died for us and when he rose from the grave. That righteousness can never be attained no matter how many good things we do in our lives, no matter how many good deeds. That righteousness is only gained by becoming a child of God, believing that Jesus Christ indeed is the Son of the living God, repenting of our past sins and living a life focusing on pleasing him as Mary and Joseph did. <coughs> There's a Christian comedian named Mark Lowry. Some of you have heard him. And he once was reading about Jesus' death on the cross, and he noted with amazement that his mother Mary was silent. Lowry noted that if he were being crucified in the, in the edge of town like Jesus was, his mother would have raised a big fuss. But it says Mary was silent. Lowry wondered if maybe what made the difference for her was remembering back to that first Christmas. Remembering touching his little hands and feet and counting his fingers and toes. He's, and he said, I wonder if she realized then that those were the same fingers that had scooped out the oceans and formed the seas. Mary probably counted those little toes. I wonder if she realized that these were the same feet that walked on streets of gold and had been worshipped by the angels. Those little lips were the same lips that had spoken the world into existence. When Mary kissed the little baby, she wasn't just kissing another baby. She was kissing the face of God. Thirty-three years later, she stands on a hillside watching blood pour from his veins from the side of her own son. And she didn't open her mouth. What a great testimony that is to the fact that Jesus was more than just a prophet, more than a preacher, more than a teacher. If he'd have been any of those things, his mother would have yelled at the soldiers. But he was the virgin-born Son of God. He was our Savior, and Mary knew it. He didn't just die for us. He died for his own mother. The baby boy that she had delivered on that first Christmas was now on the cross delivering her. So Mary needed a Savior. Joseph needed a Savior. And we all do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so today we're called 
like Mary and Joseph, to live lives that please God, to thank him for not only coming to earth but dying for us so that our sins could be forgiven, and allowing God then to use us in special ways like he did Mary and Joseph long ago, that we might nurture that relationship with him and be used by God to extend his kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's ask him to do that right now. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you not only for sending your son to earth, but using many people for that process as you prepared too for that first Christmas. We thank you for the openness of Mary and Joseph to be used by you for this important role that they had. Oh Lord, you have important roles for us too. And Lord, we pray today that we would seek to please you in the way that we live and the decisions that we make. Make our lives pure and honorable. And may we always seek to live as your children. Thank you, Lord, for coming to earth, for dying for us, and with that forgiveness that we can experience and that freedom that we can experience, we then can go out and serve you in mighty ways. Thank you for what you will do in our lives, even this week. In your name, amen.